Well, hey there, Elevate Your 8 podcast fans. It's your buddy Adam from Podcasting Business School, where I teach podcasters how to love their podcast like a hobby, but build it like a business. If you're looking to monetize your podcast and go from having a podcasting hobby to being a podcasting pro, check out Podcasting Business School. You are listening to the Elevate Your 8 podcast, and here's your host, our Shiro, Chris McPeak. You're listening to the Elevate Your 8 podcast, the easily digestible lifestyle show that empowers you to live your happiest, most productive life so you can achieve time freedom. Productivity is just a matter of simple mathematics and prioritization. Honor your work-life balance by working only eight hours a day. Honor your health and wellness by sleeping eight hours every night. Once you figure that out, the rest is gravy, or Jolly Ranchers if ever you prefer. If you're ready for a healthy helping of life-changing wisdom with a side of quirkiness, you're in the right place. Here's your host, dairy-free, karaoke-crazy, future 200 breaststroke national champion, Chris McPeak. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Elevate Your 8 podcast. I am your host, Chris McPeak, and today's interview is a long time coming. We've been trying to get together for a while now. If you participated in the Coping with COVID Summit, you heard her then. This is Susmita from the Feel Good Factor podcast, and she is talking to us all the way from India. Susmita, good evening, and how are you doing? Hey, Chris. Great to be here, and I'm glad we finally figured this out. And, uh, you know, I, I love that we're doing this back-to-back. So, you know, to everyone who's listening, I'm going to have Chris on my podcast next. <laughs> you know, we're doing both the interviews together. It's perfect planning. I know. Everybody should, everybody should interview oh. like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And thank you so much for waking up so early in the morning. I'm not a morning person. So 4 a.m. is like amazing for me that you woke up so early so we could work together. <laughs> yeah, we get up we get up this early all the time. Um, so mm-hmm. it, it was a it was not a problem for me at all. Um all right, so let's talk a little bit about your show. I want to let the elevator mm-hmm. eight people know what is the feel-good factor, what do you focus on? Um, why should my listeners turn into your to your podcast? So the feel-good factor is, as the name suggests, all about feeling good. Uh, I help you know, I, I cover, I do talks, I do interviews, and I do meditations, and all of them are focused one way or another to help you make happiness your highest priority in every aspect of your life, whether it's relationships, whether it it, it is your own personal life, whether it is with business, whether it's uh, working with others, collaborating, wherever it is. So there are uh, episodes which cover advice for entrepreneurs, conscious entrepreneurs, there are episodes which are just about self-care and healing and wellness. It's a wide range of things, but all boils down to happiness. 
Well, we all need a lot more happiness in our lives these days. So I'm so glad that mm-hmm. you're out there putting this into the world. <laughs> um, so, you know, my, my philosophy um, on time management and productivity is just all prioritization and mathematics. So it's important to me that people honor their work-life balance. They work just eight hours a day, honor their wellness, sleep eight hours every night. And then the other eight hours is basically the main thing that you have to manage with productivity. So what I'm curious about is, how do you prioritize happiness? You don't put it in any eight-hour cycles. You don't put it. You put it in everything. Everything. Right. You're 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Put it in everything that you do as much as possible. Or rather, you don't put the happiness. You follow the happiness. You follow mm-hmm. what brings you joy through every aspect of your life. That is how you prioritize it. And say, for example, you do a job that you really love Mm -hmm. and you feel you can put a lot of time into it and a lot of effort into it. But you also have to make sure that you're happy doing it always. Because right, you know, in the beginning, it's all about passion. Like, yes, I'm going to do this and I'm going to uh, push myself beyond that eight hours of work, you know, about what you're talking about, sure. losing sleep from those eight hours because you believe in this uh, work mm-hmm. that you're doing. You know, it's a, it's a, it could be a business, a job, it could be anything. But then that takes away from your happiness. So you have to be very conscious about that. So putting yourself and you know your mental health your peace of mind your joyfulness creativity putting it first in whatever you do that is a good compass to follow because then what happens is around you you'll start developing other good habits like Mm -hmm. for example creating very good boundaries yeah you know that is so important and you will only do that if you prioritize your happiness Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay. So for somebody that's in a job that maybe they like the work itself, but they don't like the, they don't like the organization they work for, or Mm -hmm. they love the organization, but they're not crazy about the work itself. So how Mm -hmm. would somebody come to terms with that so that they don't necessarily have to make a big upheaval in their life, but that they can put more happiness into that day job? So I would say that if it is, um, if it if you like the organization where you're working, but you're not very happy with the work itself, uh-huh. then trying to find ways to work in the organization by doing something a little different or including smaller things. So if, say somebody is in a corporate uh, job and they're you know, working with IT, a computer, something like that, but they also are interested in helping people. So maybe they could involve themselves, put like an hour of their job into CSR activities, into mm-hmm. team building activities. So see what they are good at, what brings them joy, and then incorporate that into your work as much as possible now if you like the work but don't like the organization that's a little bit different because then it is important to do either one of two things one is you change your organization because you know it's it's important to work in a happy environment where you're valued and you you believe in what the organization is doing right but that is an upheaval, as you said, and there is, you know, there is not necessarily a guarantee that the next place you go right. to is going to make it. <laughs> so what you do is, again, what is in your control in the environment that you're at? You and then your direct team, not the organization as a whole, but just your team, people who uh, you are um, 
your colleagues uh, or people who are working under you what can you control and what can you change there to make the whole culture and the whole environment better for everyone all together how can you do that that will help make if if not change the whole organization at least you know the universe around you immediate organization around you you help to bring more joy into that I love that. And it's highly reflective of um, something that my husband tells me all the time. He'll say like the only control you have is self-control. So mm -hmm. if you, if you don't like an environment that you're in, make it more palatable for yourself. And then that will, that will brighten your, your mindset. And I have a, I have something taped on my work computer that says something about mm -hmm. the, um, you can't, when you can't control what happens you can control the way that you respond to it and that's where your power is and i love that because we always have a choice even when something that's unpleasant sort of hits us in the face and maybe we can't change that that thing happened but we can definitely change the way we respond to it and you know like mary poppins would say take a spoonful of sugar and the medicine <laughs> not all that kind of stuff um okay now you have a, a plant-based restaurant in in the city where you live in india and mm -hmm. that's your day job and then this show is sort of your side hustle so i i would love to know how the restaurant came into being and then um you sure. know what led you down the the podcasting road to uh to add this piece of joy to the world <laughs> uh so the restaurant came into I've, I've been i've been vegan for many years now um i i got into it in 2003 so that's about 17 years now yeah. really long time ago and it was not very you know well known back then especially in india at least in the us to some extent things were you know but uh, in india not so much um, so i had to initially when i decided to go vegan it was purely for ethical reasons i just didn't want to use animals for my own benefit in whatever way best way possible i could i could at least contribute to this but after going vegan, I realized that there weren't too many alternatives and things available in the market yet back then. So I had to fend for myself. Yeah. So I had to, you know, make my own dairy alternatives. I, I had to make my own cakes and cookies and things like that. But when I started, so initially I thought it was all about giving up stuff and I just won't get to have all these yummy things anymore. Right. But when I started, you know, that's a very common myth. And especially back then, you know, it was like very, very commonly thought that way. But when I started exploring, I was like, oh, my God, my mind was blown with the kind of varieties. I was having more varieties of things, more varieties of cuisines, dishes, ingredients that I was using a lot more after going vegan than in my pre-vegan days, because yeah. instead of you know, one kind of dairy, which comes from cow, or maybe two or three in India, like buffalo and stuff like that too. So instead of that couple of those, I have 10, 20, 30 kinds of milks yeah. that I can, you know, make, I can make curds with that. I can make, and these are delicious things, which I, when I started making them, of course, I was feeding it to my friends, my family, people around. I'm like, hey, look, I made this, you know, what do you think? And initially when they didn't know, um, you know, they, they, they didn't, hadn't connected me now everyone who knows me connects me to being vegan <laughs> i mean my uh, sure. you, you know my it's I don't your identity. Even use my it's last, a part of your identity. It's 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 my identity. I don't even use my last name. I call myself Susmita Veganosaurus. That's I how know. I'm more commonly known. 
I love that. So, but back then when people weren't actually associating me with veganism, if I gave them a cake, they wouldn't know that it was a vegan cake that I had baked. They would eat it and they're like, oh, yummy, where did you get this from? And they, you know, talk about some bakery, local bakery, where, which is famous for cakes. And I'm like, no, I made it. I made and it. guess what? <laughs> it's vegan, no eggs, no dairy. And I saw that not only does vegan food have a huge variety, delicious stuff, it's a cuisine on its own, sure. but also it's not just for vegans, it's for everybody to love and enjoy. Most people can really, really like it. And it's also fairly healthy in comparison to the, yeah. a lot of the non-vegan stuff out there, right? So that's what got triggered my passion for cooking, for baking, for creating recipes. And that was, that turned me into a chef. And the, you know, I, I started with the food blog where I would experiment, make recipes and then share, share them online because it would help people uh, see that, oh, you can do, you know, with a few simple locally available ingredients, you don't need anything fancy. You can actually create something fancy out of them. Uh, and then the restaurant was a culmination of that. And carrots, so that's what my restaurant is called, was India's first vegan restaurant. That and it was started- mind. It's so amazing because, I mean, it's not like India is a tiny place. It's a big, well-populated country. <laughs> most, almost most populated country. It's, 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 of course, the, you know, it's huge. And um, vegetarianism is very common in India that's like a part of the culture it's taken mm-hmm. for granted even the people who eat meat most of their meals tend to be vegetarian right but veganism is was very very new back then and dairy is something people love it's associated with religion it's associated with culture there's a lot yeah. of emotional attachment to dairy so which is why i think nobody had really had the uh, Maybe, you know, it was, it, is, it was a scary thought to start a vegan restaurant back then. Mm-hmm. And uh, w- believe me when I say we were way ahead of the curve when we started. The first three years were a struggle. I'd say that we had to create awareness about vegan food. And that is not just grass and leaves right, know, right. the, <laughs> uh, before the market developed. I didn't start the restaurant, a guy called Krishna did, and I would go there as a guest all the time. And Mm -hmm. I would be like the most vocal, supportive, like, yeah, vegan restaurant in my city. And then, you know, tell everybody about it and go teach them recipes. And it, it, it was a natural progression for me to become a part of the restaurant. First joined as a team member, then became a partner, took it over. And uh, yeah, we celebrated our seventh anniversary just before COVID hit. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. So COVID. Oh my God. Um, and I, we talked earlier on the, on the summit about what your restaurant was doing in the, mm-hmm. in the midst of that. Right. So are you back to at least being able to have people indoors in a limited capacity or are you doing outdoor dining or a lot of carry out? We are only doing uh, takeaway and deliveries because, yes, uh, you know, the government has allowed restaurants to open up for dine-in in a limited capacity, but we don't want to risk it. We don't really want to risk our uh, our own team members as well as, you know, why just to open for dine-in and then somebody will come and then through them what, you know, we don't want to be the point of contact also for the disease to spread in any way. Yeah. So we are playing it safe. Um, it's not easy to just work with takeaway and delivery after having been a dine-in restaurant, especially after having been a place 
where people would come not just for the food but also to enjoy the atmosphere of the place yeah. they they liked the feeling of being there but we're managing and uh, we're somehow getting through and we're hoping if things get a little better maybe in january we could open for dining again in a limited capacity love it what's your very favorite uh thing to to make or create or what's your favorite dish your favorite vegan dish Mm, it, there are too many <laughs> no, so, <laughs> uh, so here's the thing uh, south indian food I'm, i'm you know i'm i'm from the southern part of india and mm-hmm. a lot of the south indian food uh, is the vegetarian food especially it okay. it tends to be vegan by default yeah. so my traditional comfort foods like idli dosa these are things that i you know which are things i've grown up eating mm-hmm. they are vegan by default so i would say that no matter what i do no matter what fusion dishes i make from different parts of the world no matter what i bake ultimately the stuff that i enjoy making and eating would be my traditional you know comfort giving south indian foods and yes i will i make vegan yogurt and i have it with, <laughs> wow. with peanuts <laughs> yeah so okay tell me about vegan yogurt because that is a a milk based product um Yeah, how do you do that? <laughs> I'm very um, curious. Pretty much anything that is uh, the dairy based can be made from a plant based version. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing with vegan milk. Uh, that's why I was saying we have so many varieties because yeah. any nut, any seed, almost any grain and a few beans. So that's wow. huge. All of them can form some kind of milk or another you can extract milk out of them wow it just has to be <laughs> i thought about getting milk out of a bean like that's fascinating to me you know soy milk is from a bean right like that way when i say bean <laughs> yeah that's true that's true yeah. um and it just has to be creamy if it has to be yogurt if it has mm-hmm. to be turned into yogurt some some of them are like milks like you know say if you do oat milk or if you do milk with rice or almond rice i love rice milk and almond milk and things like that but if you want to make yogurt you want it to be a little bit heavier on the protein and fat content so two of the best things that work in yogurt are soy as well as peanuts so okay. peanut yogurt is very common here so that is you know it's kind of big because it sets you know a little bit goes a long way you just use like a handful say say you use a cup of peanuts you use six cups of water to make okay. the yogurt so uh, you know a little goes a long way and it you once you cook it up it gets creamy and thick and yes of course yogurt is made by introducing cultures you know probiotic cultures into right. the milk and that's what makes it and again in india there is one advantage we've had that we've never you know while growing up now it's a little different in the market but while growing up we used to make our own yogurt at home that's like a part of our uh, food like we you just make yogurt at home that's like a standard habit uh, so because of that I, i it was easy for me to start making vegan version of uh, yogurt and um, i teach dairy alternatives classes i teach a lot of vegan cooking and baking classes because i believe empowering people to make their own food yeah. is is the only you know it's the best way to go forward right that's mm-hmm. the way someone would consider it because you don't do want to have to be dependent on a food business to go and buy 
um, your uh, your foods, uh, your products, your day to day, especially products. So I teach my dairy alternatives class is the most popular. People from all across the globe they like to take it. Even non vegans because you know it's a very interesting thing, right? To be able to make yogurt and milk out of nuts and seeds and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. Um, I've never made my own milk before. I tried to mm-hmm. make my own cheese. Um, mm-hmm. Or cheese sauce, I guess, would be a better way. He's <laughs> spread um, kind of a thing, yeah. Yeah. So I connecting to your show again, the, the feel good factor. I know some people just derive an intense amount of um, pleasure, excitement, happiness through the making of food and and sharing it with mm-hmm. other people. So is that mm-hmm. is that part of what sort of drove you to start your show, or like what was the impetus for starting your podcast? Funnily, it has nothing to do with my cooking or veganism, uh-huh. though I, I mention it as a part of the show, uh, because that's just my identity of who I am. So it comes in as a part of my life. But my show is not at all focused about focused on food or cooking or anything like that. The show came because, um, you know, I, I got into my day job, which was before my day job, I never had a day job, I would, I would always freelance. And you know, I've always worked for myself, I've never worked for oh, somebody wow. else or worked in a, an organization. I fortunately, I had the luxury to be able to do that. Um, so but with the restaurant was the first real job where I would actually go into work every day, not just work from home, I used to go and spend all my day there. And you know, in the hospitality industry, it, it takes a lot out of you. Right? Yeah. And I learned a lot on the job about how, you know, you can trick yourself into believing there are certain things that give you so much happiness. They do, they give you fulfillment, but also you lose a lot of yourself into it. Sure. And, you know, I, I, that is what got me thinking. I'm like, you know, we are not making our happiness the highest priority always, all the time. And it's good to be of service. It's good to make others happy. It's good to do, you know, beautiful work in the world. But it's most important that you are actually fulfilled and happy and your cup is full before you serve to others and that is that is where the idea of the podcast uh, came about and I got into podcasting because of our common friend Ali (laughs) you know she's she's my inspiration I I had listened to a few podcasts before but when I started listening to Food Heals it was very inspiring and I'm like the way this the way she makes me feel when she speaks, she as well as her guests, of course, I listened to you also for the first time on her show and, you know, found your podcast too. So the way, you know, that environment made me feel, I wanted to make others feel that way too. I wanted to inspire, motivate, you know, so that is how the podcast, you know, came into being. (laughs) So it's so perfect. Yeah. I mean, you are, your personality and, and spirit is just so, uplifting and it's you know to be around you even like on the other side of the world is there's just light and glow there Um, when you think about um when you think about productivity and and time management work-life balance those kinds of things I know we talked earlier Mm -hmm. about just making sure that happiness is first um but do you find that when you when you do that, that the other things fall into place, like, like waking up in the morning and saying, I'm, I'm going to put my happiness first, but here's this big old to-do list that I have to get done. So mm-hmm. does it sort of like, how does that, how does that work? How do we, how do we wake up, tell ourselves that our prior, our priority is our happiness, but you know, we still have to contribute to society and do all these. Other- <laughs> <laughs> now I, I, um, 
I agree with you because it's not always you. There is so much that you need to do. But when I say make happiness your priority, for example, with you, Chris, you are passionate about making those to-do lists. You're passionate about productivity. Like you, you, I, I would say, in fact, that you know, when you say eight hours of sleep, eight hours of work, and the remaining eight hours for the other stuff. Right. I think if you if you sit around for those eight hours of work without doing anything, you will go crazy, right? You can't do that. Right. <laughs> you would be incapable of. That. So that is your happiness comes from your planning. and ticking things off and saying okay i got this done this done this done, and you feel joy from that from that uh, you know a sense of fulfillment and achievement absolutely so that so it depends on each person's personality for me i like never like to have too many things on my plate at the same time mm-hmm. you know i don't work well that way i like to take one i mean though i i do many things it's not just a podcast it's not just a restaurant you know i i i do a number of different things i have a number of interests but that's i don't like to do all of it on the same day so right. if i say i'm working on a certain thing i i i will schedule it in such a way that there's a lot of gap in between for me to take breathers so mm-hmm. say productivity you have a long list of things to do today i'll make sure that okay i have this 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 then i will treat myself to this much of you know a rest time or netflixing or uh, you know playing a game whatever like like just just like uh, let myself slack off in the middle and then do again this 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 and then again let myself so i'll uh, so for me um even when i have to do things and if i have to uh, push myself on a certain day when i don't really want to can't really do too much right i try to make sure i get plenty of breaks in between so it's not like get it all out of the way and then take a break and relax for me instead it works the other way keep taking breaks and it also helps to remember when when we talk about to do lists it also helps to remember that nothing has to be done today we are not brain surgeons nobody is dying right so <laughs> uh, it's okay to just put things off also it's okay to just rest like today i don't want to do anything i want to slack off i feel my body is asking for it my mind is asking for it yeah. it's okay treat yourself to that you know the that is the balance for me work life balance is balancing it in that way <laughs> i love that yeah and i my my supervisor is very um very clear with her team on reminding mm-hmm. us that like nobody's going to die if you <laughs> project done today um yeah. i appreciate that cuz i came from the world of college housing before before mm-hmm. my current job and and everything was often um put forward in an emergent sort of like you know if this situation isn't mitigated bad things will happen and and it was hard to work in a in a system that constantly made you feel like if you're not if you're not solving the problem then you're not doing anything and and sometimes mm. it's not a problem to solve it's okay to sit in in things going well it's okay to sit in things making you smile that you know not everything has to be an emergency so i love i love the idea of just like you know what today i'm just going to choose myself Um I'm just going to choose my bed. I'm <laughs> I'm going to choose <laughs> a long walk and a long nap. Like those things are totally okay. And you know the funniest part is that when you do that, I've always seen that if I slack off for a day or two days or whatever, I see that I'm a lot more productive, lot yeah. more creative. I get so much more done on the day I get back to work, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cuz you've had that like major major recharge. Reset. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 
Okay, Veganosaurus, where can people find you <laughs> online if they want to check out your show, participate in your cooking clashes? Those classes, not clashes. <laughs> well, um, I everywhere I'm Veganosaurus. So you just go to my website, www.veganosaurus.com. And uh, you can find my podcast there. You can find a link to my Insta from there. I'm very active on Instagram. I'm Veganosaurus also on Insta. I'm not active on any other social media. So that's how you can catch up with me. And yeah, I'd, I'd love to have you all at my classes too. <laughs> yes, I'm thinking about taking one of your classes. Okay, everybody, we have been talking to Susmita Veganosaurus all the way over there in India, the owner and operator of Carrots Restaurant and host of the Feel Good Factor. Thank you so, so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Bye. Bye.